Hey everybody, my name is Bob, and welcome to the Late Night Playlist. Go ahead and grab your favorite adult beverage and get ready to talk about the album of the week with my friends and me. Let's get started. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Late Night Playlist. My name is Bob, and with me tonight, we've got Brett, Tom, and Derek. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello. 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 Fucking A, Delilah. Fucking A. All right. So tonight, we are going to talk about Leon Redbones live at the Olympia Theater. Let's ride this some bitch into the grail. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Amen. Right into the ground. The only fans, fans, their money. That's what I'm saying. That's right. So keep your <laughs> pants off and let's get talking. So pants Leon off. Redbone. Brett, tell me about Leon Redbone. Oh, good Lord. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this. Uh, you know, you guys, you guys threw this out there. I didn't know who the man was. I'd heard the name, but you might as well have said Sun House. You might as well have said, you know, anybody uh, from from any generation, you know, Enrico Caruso. I mean, it could have been anybody. I I listened to the album and I thought, wow, what an odd choice. Like this is something obviously recorded in the 30s, but they must have been using some top notch recording equipment, you know. (laughs) I was impressed. <laughs> so, so I listened. Listen touch to the more recent thing. than that. Yeah. 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 Just a touch more recent. So, so then, then I, I come back, you know, like Holly, you know, like Leon Redbone, you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. He was on Saturday Night Live and all that. And I'm like, no, there's, there's no way. You know, this was 50 years, 60 years before Saturday Night Live. So she set me straight and, uh, that's what I know. That's when I learned who Leon Redbone was. <laughs> I only knew him from from the Saturday Night Live appearances, and uh, and I would I'll admit until about ten years ago, I never really hopped on the bandwagon. I didn't understand it. It looked to me to be kind of a a very uh, what's the word? Kind of a kind of an act, mm-hmm. you know. And so it was. Are, are we certain that he's not, you know, Father Guido Sarducci from Saturday Night Live? Also, could have been. I swear, I was just, I was just thinking that my entire teenage years, I would have sworn that Leon Redbone and Guido Sarducci were the same dude, same person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you're talking about he was born in Cyprus, um, Armenian ancestry lived in Canada and became a star in America, basically doing a vaudeville routine. So there's a whole lot of shit there. Oh, yeah. But God damn, it was good. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, 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 I think it's, it took me several years to get over the last me. album. It, it looked, it, I got over the act and I realized... <laughs> <laughs> the act is good. <laughs> Deke ran but, go Bali. But I'm with you that took me a couple listens to get through the act. You know, because I'm like, yeah, this is all gimmick, blah, blah, blah. And then after a few listens, I'm like, you know, there's more to it than 
than yeah. just that. So good shit. <laughs> you know, if it's an act, it's it's the most fucking authentic act I've ever heard in my life. I'm I'm sure it was an act, but I think it was uh, it was an act similar to the act that we all do every day in our own personal lives. You know, it's we we take on these aspects in our life and we we do these things yep. and you know he he became that guy yeah you know, he, he i wonder if he person. was the, was he that guy away from the stage i wonder i, who knows? Who knows? Well, I don't know i don't yeah. think anybody knows about leon away from the stage he was incredibly private yes kind of like a salinger type thing yeah yeah so I, 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 I don't you know i caught that so okay micro example here right so so my dad was was in that uh you know local local band that was together for 50 years or whatever and i noticed a different personality with my dad when he was on stage versus when he came home uh I'm not trying to say that dad was, you know, mean at home or anything far from it. Great, <laughs> great guy, you know, great guy. But I could just see that there is a stage persona mm -hmm. and clearly there's a, you know, rest of the world persona, you know, and, but and let uh, me, Brett, let me throw something out there. What was the realer dad you saw? Was the realer dad you saw that was able to peel off from the family and get on stage and fucking wail on that guitar and and be amongst his peers and sing these great songs? Was that the real dad? And what I'll tell you with my family, there's 90% of the time I've got to put on the dad face. You know, I get on here with you guys. I sit down and play my guitar. You know, that's probably the real Tom. I don't know. It's a weird uh, thing. Great question. So I can tell you my dad played in one or at minimum one, maximum three or four bands at any given time from the time he got out of the army, which was he would have been 24 years old. Uh, until what year was that? He got out of the army in 1959. That's so, so yeah. Yeah, he got out. The, he he picked he did you know, choose this, but he picked the perfect time. He was between Korea and Vietnam. But uh uh he got out of the army and played, you know, in, in multiple bands at various times. And you know, Tom, you got a good point. I, I don't Again, I don't want anybody hearing this to think I'm dissing my dad. I love my dad dearly. No. Forever. But uh, there was a life there. He came to life. You know, he he was. Yeah. He, he was singing. He was playing the steel guitar. He was playing an acoustic guitar. He played an electric guitar, whatever, whatever he had had to play for a given song. He was up there doing it. And, and the man was alive. He was know, in and, heaven. He was in heaven. That's exactly right. Well, and I'm sure Bob, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn. You're a dad. Sure. 
there's the face you have to put on to be that guy. But then there's deep down inside the real guy. And I think that that's what I love about this group is, you know, the real guys can come out. Right. Well, I, I don't like to think of it that way. And I'm, but, not say, I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. I just don't like to think of it that way. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as uh, I'm many, many different facets, but they're all real. There you go. I like it. You know, it's just it's That's... just me at any particular point in time, because if I can't be the same person with my family that I am with you, because it won't work. Yes. Right. Uh, it, it'd be it unfair. Doesn't... It doesn't throw off the perception that we want our kids to grow up under. Right, right. And, and we can't be the same person here that we are at work because it, it, it won't work. You know, we, right. we have- I don't even know it's so much the perception, Tom, as it is the responsibility probably, it's of probably, it, you know. Probably a big part of it. I mean, we're all, you know, in our careers have, risen to a certain level of leadership you know some of us higher than other depending on the jobs and leadership's leadership right in to the extent but yeah so like at work i have to behave a certain way yes as a leader you know but but deep down inside you're fucking leon redbone (laughs) i don't know if i'm leon redbone but i'm not certain i'm necessarily that guy Either. I'm seeing a foot long beard. I'm seeing a foot long beard on you right now. <laughs> right. I'm seeing well, more of a Steve Earle persona. Yeah, that, that's probably closer to Steve Earle. Steve yeah, Earl. yeah, fresh out of jail. Steve Earl. Right. Yeah, I kind of look that we way. We need a psychologist. Yeah. Right. Why I can't change jobs because I don't want to shave. Look respectable. You know, so they, they've already accepted me over that's there. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> but but that's that's what I think about Leon. I think he had a face that he wanted to show the world. And he was very successful at it. We've talked about this before, you know, with with I think we've talked about it with rock bands, you know, where where they want to show a certain lifestyle to to the world, you know, and that's what Leon was doing. He's not a rock band, obviously. He's just a uh, he's a guy. But he's doing, an entertainer. He, he's an entertainer. Would- Right, but I I think with Leo Leon, the cool thing is, this is not a money making persona, big money, big money making persona. This is who this fucking guy really admired. He right. admired these artists. He admired people that looked and acted and sang and played this way. And. That's where I think the authenticity comes in. Mm-hmm. It's it is it an act? Yeah, it's an act, but it's not an act. Right. It's not a sellout either, right? I mean, it's he he, he, he could not control the fact that he was born in uh, uh, probably the fifties uh, or forties or something, and and lived in Jerusalem, moved to Canada, became uh, an American blues ragtime star he couldn't control where he came from but he sure the fuck controlled how he was perceived yeah yeah so we're talking about his backstory yeah you know and where he came from and stuff 
when I listened to it, I, I would have just sworn he was from Louisiana. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, uh, I, yeah. Me too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I second that boy. Yeah. So I, I did, I went and looked up his Wikipedia and was reading up on it. And I'm like, Whoa, boy, was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't, even, wasn't even close. Fuck you right. know. Canada? I'm not even certain he's been to Louisiana. Yeah, maybe you know, not. Oh, I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just the play. But, you know, I was like looking where he lived because I'm thinking, okay, there's, you know, when did he spend his formative years in New Orleans or something? And right. It's not there. It's, uh, but it, yeah. So but this was amazing. It came there somehow. Mm-hmm. So this was one of the first albums, maybe, maybe the, the first album where I felt like not seeing the the event not seeing him performing took away from from what i was hearing a little bit Mm. um you know i i wish i could have seen it because there were times you know i'm listening on my run you know i'm I'm listening to this and the audience starts laughing and i'm like okay i have no idea why the audience is laughing right now um it was when there was the female voice uh, was that him, by the way? No, no. Okay, okay. I didn't know. Uh, so, so like I, I could hear the the audience laughing, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm missing here, but you know, I'm missing something. But uh, that that was that was. I thought that was kind of interesting. He <laughs> reminds me a lot of Tom Waits. Hmm. In that, oh, that's there's there is this other thing he steps into. And he's totally invested beyond a paycheck. This is a lifestyle. uh, This is a life decision. And, and he doesn't, this is what he's going to do. And there's, uh, you know, could he have written a top 40 song and uh, maybe I don't know. He didn't give a shit about that. He wanted to do this style of music in this way, dressed in this manner, walking around with a cane, doing this thing. And, you know, it's classic. Yeah. Yeah. And and Brett, you you mentioned uh, uh, not seeing him. And it's his what he did and i realized there was nothing to see on on this when we when we looked at the uh uh when we looked at the youtube thing it was all just you know a blank screen there but uh what he would do is his his was a vaudeville show you know tin pan alley i think we talked about it there you uh, go. in the uh in the in the last uh episode uh but uh he would he would literally get up on stage with a chair just him He'd have a band behind him, you know, doing some other stuff, but he would sit down in a chair, start, start chatting with the audience, you know, play around on the guitar, play a song, tell a few jokes in that voice that he had that was, you know, where's he from sort of voice, <laughs> you know, there'd, there'd be other stuff going on. He just built a rapport in a, in a Tin Pan Alley vaudeville sort of yeah. way uh with with the audience and it worked and it worked in the 1930s it worked in the 1990s and it's amazing to see 
you know, how he was able to transport this music 50 years yeah. into, into essentially today and, and make it cool. Yeah. I was 50 I, years off. I was 50 years. I, just like you said, um, when I listened to it, not knowing a damn thing about him, I was 50 years guessing. You know, I, would, I would pay to go see it today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I put on Leon Redbone. We'll be sitting out by the pool. Linda and I, it's just us. And, and, and we're just hanging out, having some beers. I put on Leon Redbone. She looks at me like I'm fucking nuts. <laughs> it's not she because does. of Leon Redbone. <laughs> and, and the reality is... It's so fucking enjoyable, but some people just don't get it. Right. And they're not going to get it. It's, it's, uh, it's too far out there, but I love it. Mm -hmm. So which, which one of us suggested that one? I know it wasn't me, but it was me. That was you, Bob. Okay. So when, when did you first. Yeah, it was an excellent pick. When when did this first strike you? When did this album first? I love hearing these stories. Uh, you know, uh, I could not tell you when I first heard of Leon Redbone. Uh, I, Leon Redbone has been in my life since before I could remember something being in my life. Quite honestly, you know, that my cool. My dad was listening to him. You know, back back before I have memories, which, you know, honestly, isn't that long ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, back, <laughs> back, back, back when I was, uh, uh, three or four minutes ago, right, right, right. On a, on a good day, three or four minutes ago, but, uh, before that last drink, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, when I was young, very young, uh, which I, I would assume his first album came out, I think, in the in the 70s. Yes. Uh, 77, 78, something like that. So uh, so he's uh, sometime around in there uh, on the tracks. And I'm I'm positive that's when I first started listening to him uh, because my dad had that album. So he probably bought it that year. And Leon's been in my life since then. And Bob, I tell you what. I listen to those albums. I can't tell the difference aside from the scratchiness mm -hmm. from uh, a blind Blake or a uh, Reverend Gary Davis recording. Um, so minus the, the technology enhancements, this motherfucker is about as authentic as you get. <laughs> Yep. And sorry, Brett, I interrupted your questioning. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, no. Go, keep going around the horn because I love hearing these stories. <laughs> well, I told you guys when I first heard it, you know, I, I didn't know Leon Redbone from anybody. Um, Sean, what about you? You know, this is probably the first time I sat down and listened to him was for this i think i'd probably seen him before on saturday night live back in the day but he just really wasn't on my radar mm. that's a shame nah. Nah. 
I heard the name. Just yeah, I heard the name, but I, the problem I had, I had no generational anchor. So I, yeah. you know, uh, you could have said any anybody, and and I, I would have thought, okay, they're they're from the 1920s. You know, they're not 1930s. <laughs> listen to the album you'd swear 1930s except the recording quality is so high so tom what about you you're the last one like you're wow uh so the saturday night live stuff and to your point i think the visual threw me off because up in you know probably until a few years ago I filed it under a vaudeville act and never really took the musicality seriously. And then um, my buddies that I told you guys about earlier turned me on to him and I started listening. I'm like, fuck, this guy's great because you've got like, uh, you know, I, I, I said something about Reverend Gary Davis earlier, and I'm a Reverend Gary Davis, Davis fan. But you talk about the musicality, the, the guitar playing, and there's so many layers with Leon, yep. but the guitar playing, he's on par with like Blind Blake. It's, uh, you don't hear that that ragtime that mm -hmm. that, uh, that style played as adeptly as he's capable of playing it and you watch him on video it comes with ease yeah <laughs> and uh it just blew my mind to really dive into the guy and understand what he what he brought to the table Right. And, and to, to add on to, to what you're saying there, Tom, with his uh, with his guitar playing, especially on the ragtime, what you would see with with some of the older ragtime players, not Blind Blake, but some of the older ragtime players, they would play a interesting ragtime yeah. riff and then they would kind of back off of the interesting riff and just kind of chord it while they Take were the singing. foot off the pedal. Right. And sing a little bit and then pick the riff back up again when they weren't singing blind blake you know you you go listen to uh pig shaken woman or something like that and and you'll hear yes that's the name of a song brett but uh, <laughs> uh you will you will uh you will hear him he don't take the foot off the pedal on some of this yeah. stuff he just keeps playing the riffs while he's singing and it's mine and 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 uh uh leon can do the same thing Yes, his his brain it's working on two different levels on a lot of these effortless, things. Effortlessly, and it's really impressive. Oh. What's what's the name of the blues player? He's 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 in his eighties now, and he's still touring. Um, Buddy Guy, oh, Buddy Guy, that's exactly him. So we Bing. saw him a few years ago, and oh my god, that's exactly how I would describe him, man. The, the foot is stomped all the way to the floorboard. He is but, full speed ahead. 
but the core, so the thing with the like buddy guy and i love me some buddy guy i love me some buddy guy and some muddy waters on mm-hmm. the folk singer album that's a lot of single string playing and it's brilliant stuff but when you get into the ragtime, the syncopated, the stride guitar, the stuff that Leon's doing, it's mind-blowing the degree of harmony that's going on in a syncopated manner while this fucking guy is singing these great tunes. Wow. It's on a whole different level. Oh, I agree with you. Now, that being said, I saw Buddy Guy in concert go into a porta potty and he never stopped. Uh, absolutely. He's playing the whole time. <laughs> now, how you pull that one off, I don't know. But did he, did he have go. a plaster caster go with him? <laughs> it was just, I don't know if there was somebody in there before he got into the porta potty, but, but it worked. <laughs> so, Brett, go get that buddy guy it's uh, it's actually a muddy waters album it's called folk singer buddy plays all the lead guitar on it it's all acoustic i think it's a full band didn't it bob yeah I it's believe got it a is. bass and drums yeah but it's all acoustic guitars fucking brilliant acoustic blues i didn't respect buddy guy until I heard that album, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, this is the guy that made Muddy Waters famous." Mm-hmm. Works for me. I saw him down in Kentucky and oh, one of the wineries oh, in Western Kentucky, and holy cow, man, that was—I'm not you, forgetting that one. Are you guys? Uh, has anybody uh, listened to Norman Blake? Norman Blake. Not me. Since that I have. No. So Norman was Tony Rice's ki- kind of idol. Uh, Tony really looked up to Norman's songwriting and his playing. And, and Norman is one of those guys, kind of like Leon, that, you know, when, when evolution occurred, he said, fuck it. You know, I, I'm happy with where I'm at. And, and the music stayed the same. The plane got much better over time, but the style, the the stuff he was putting out. Norman Blake is one of those guys that reminds me a lot of Leon. Mm. More bluegrassy, but fucking killer. I'll have to look that up. Norman Blake. Get the uh, Whiskey Before Breakfast album. Oh, I thought that was just a general breakfast recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes it is. But it's Tony actually plays on that album. And Norman guessed it on several Tony albums. Right. And it it seems like there's a really strong tie between Norman's Whiskey Before Breakfast and Tony's uh, Church Street Blues. But Norman just will devastate you. The vocals, the guitar, you know, 
Yeah, just just never strive for it, even the level of fame that Leon received. He just didn't give a fuck. Right. Saw him live at a, a guitar shop down south of Indianapolis and just got his... I, I was too devastated. I couldn't go ask for an autograph. Linda went up and asked for an autograph for me and uh, just mind-blowing. Blues, bluegrass. I'll shut up. Wait, who did you see now? Who did you see South? Norman Blake. Norman Blake. Okay. Norman Blake. Check it out. Whiskey before breakfast. And he was in here shopping or he was in there signing autographs? What was he, he, was, he was putting on a show. Really? putting on a concert i bought tickets to it we went down saw it there was probably about 40 people in the guitar shop and i walked out a changed man i was just devastated by the level of uh authenticity and musicianship but i don't want to take away from leon but if you liked what you heard in Leon, go check out Norman right. on Whiskey Before Breakfast. But then there was only 40 people at the show. That's life, man. Yeah. The, shit, <laughs> the, the real shit goes unnoticed. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some blues acts where there's only been a handful of people in the crowd. Wow. And I'm talking under 10 people, and that's probably including the bartenders. Right. And the people on stage were just tearing it up like they were playing in a, you know, an amphitheater or, uh, con- sure. you know. Stadium. You got to give it your all every time, right? They, every time. Much respect for those folks who do that. That's, Invested. Uh, yep. Yeah. So what songs did you guys like off this? My favorite, you know, <clears throat> Love Letters in the Sand. Um, yeah. Oh, you remembered one, it. I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so my, my, my golden rule for these, these things, I got to listen to it twice, you know, and, and, uh, boy, I really liked that song that, that one, that one, I thought meant a lot. You know, you could, you could read so much into that one and I really enjoyed that one. Here's my problem. I was listening to it while I was working, so I didn't get a chance to like constantly look up and see which song it was that was playing at the time. So I don't know necessarily where they all were. But I remember Gotta Shake That Thing. Right. And uh, so I'm going to go with that one. That's an old blues tune. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know whether it's uh, the same tune as Shake That Sugary, but Shake That Thing. It's an old blues tune. I'm trying to. It's, it's not the same lyrics. I'm trying to put the put the tunes together in my head. I'm not sure either. I don't remember. My, my, uh, you know, uh, my favorite, another, another cover. Well, 90% of these are covers anyway. Uh, maybe 99% of these are covers, but, uh, um, ain't misbehaving. Yeah. Uh, was was my favorite off of this one. Uh, I, I like that song anyway. Uh, it's hard to mess up a classic like that, although I can do it when I'm playing. Uh, but, uh, Leon did a really great job with it. Bob, I'm going to agree with you. I was a big eight misbehaving fan. It's still from, it's, it's an old jazz standard and it's a tune I work on not frequently, but it's a good, cool chord progression. Mm -hmm. 
that that uh, you know I enjoy it. I loved his version. Yeah, it was very solid. So what what instruments did did this man play? Like what all guitar? That was it. So he was just one hundred percent guitar. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Professionally, that's all I'm aware of. He he might have played a hundred other instruments. I don't know. But right, all I right. ever saw him play was guitar. It was a very controlled persona he put forward. And that's that's probably a, a, a cool thing. Okay. So as as I was you know running and listening to him, um I knew obviously he was singing. That was obvious. And um there was also equally obvious there's he had a stage presence like yeah. when you went it was more than just listening to him you know the the eagles and and i love the band the eagles you know let's let's be honest uh they kind of they just kind of hang out on the stage they're not <laughs> doing too much you know uh, uh, right. uh, play sure. the song yeah. play the hits yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're sitting on the stools or whatever. And uh, but holy cow, I, I got the sense that there's two parts to his show. There's what you see and what you hear. I know I brought this up earlier, but but the, the more powerful than anybody else we've done so far. I noticed that that I yeah. really wanted to see this man. Right. Well, you, you I, remember. Um, I'm sorry, Tom. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I know you remember because we were talking about it earlier. Uh, the Sunhouse album that we did a while back, uh, where they actually kept in the recordings of him talking to the audience, yeah, in between yes. the songs. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think much, much more than now, you know, and we've all been to concerts. Uh, some, some artists talk a little bit more during, during the song breaks than others. Uh, but you know, a hundred years ago, when you went to a concert, they talked during yeah. the song yes. breaks, you know, it was a show. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was your evening out. And there was, there was conversation that happened back and forth between, between the audience and the entertainer. And 50 years ago, when most of the songs that he was playing were, were being played professionally, uh, around the world, uh, that was the same thing that was happening, you know, like Sunhouse was doing, he was kind of having a conversation with the folks there. Uh, and that's, that's what I got out of how uh, Leon conversed with his audience too. They just cut it out yeah. of, of what happened. Uh, but okay. he was having a conversation with the audience and talking to them and, and working them. And there was some of that in there though. Yeah. A little bit. There bit. was a little bit in there, but I had a feeling, and I don't mean this to sound negative because it's this guy walked out there with a plan. Mm -hmm. He walked <laughs> out there with a shtick, not in a negative way. He had the show down mm -hmm. and he was going to throw it out at you. And if some son of a bitch out there in the audience spoke up and wanted to hear something different, I think he'd have walked out there and smacked them with the guitar. <laughs> I don't think that. I think he would have just steamrolled <clears throat> steam right over. Maybe. This guy had his thing, 
and he did it extremely well. Well, Tom, you're describing the difference between a performer and a guitar player. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are countless, oh my gosh, we all know a dozen without even trying to think about it, guitar players, right? And I mean, just brilliantly skilled people who can play whatever you want to hear instantly and with great, great talent. There's something about that extra step to performer, you know, and and why the record label signed them and and why they could fill up a 100,000 seat, you know, stadium. Uh, There's something there. What is it? You know, and that's that performer aspect. Or even if it was a 30 person audience. Yes. This guy knew what he wanted to communicate. And he did it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally agree. Yep. He, he threw it out there. And I, I, I'll take that comment back earlier about Leon walking back and smacking somebody with a guitar. I don't <laughs> think he'd have to. I think the audience would have. Yeah. The audience I, wanted to hear this guy. I think they were there for his show the way he wanted to provide that show. Yeah. So I, I doubt there was anybody in the audience that would argue with him. So do you guys remember Leon on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, definitely. It's a and, it, and it was it was every every performance I remember. It was like a, a gape jaw. I'm performing in front of an audience that has no concept of what I'm doing, but I'm going to beat these fucking people in the (laughs) face with it. I'm going to play my songs and be happy and walk off stage. And he is what he is. Yeah. So Frank Vignola played guitar with Leon's show. No, I did not know that. Frank Vignola is one of the best goddamn jazz players I've ever heard in my life. And he was part of Leon's band. He took he took a back seat to him. I yeah. fuck. If I had the talent, I would. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. I, we've talked about the Saturday Night Live connection a few times. I, I didn't look up, and I should have, I didn't look up how many times he was on Saturday Night Live, but uh, it was it was definitely in the double digits. Yeah. Uh, the number of times that he was on Saturday Night Live. And uh, every once in a while, every once in a while on Saturday Night Live, you'll see something that strikes you. You'll see something that's a little bit subversive. Whether it's a... a and you know, uh, a little gig the performers put on, or whether it's something the musical act puts on. And I've seen everybody from like Frank Zappa to you, you know, I don't think you can get any more extreme than Frank. But goddamn, I think Leon did. And Leon <laughs> was one of the most subversive people I ever saw on Saturday Night Live. 
But Saturday Night Live in the seventies was a different beast. Fuck yes, yeah, it was than, than today. I mean, I don't want to take. There's some funny people on Saturday Night Live today, so I'm not going to take no, anything not. from it. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. No, all right, yeah. But it was a different. It was a much different beast back then. Hey, it was new. It was you know it was weird. It was live, you know, at eleven thirty on Saturday, or and you know. They, it was they, trying to fuck you up, right? They, they were, <laughs> you know, they were funny, but they're messing with you too. Yeah, and that's uh, that's gone. Yeah, I think so. Well, they yeah. they were intentionally fighting the system, which I approve of. Uh, yeah, right. And, and right. Thank God. Yeah, uh, they they uh, they did a good job with that. But you know, when you saw a musical guest come on, your your expectation was not Leon Redbone. Your expectation was Alice Cooper or Boston or, you know, Hart yeah. or something yeah. like that. Something cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and yeah, I would argue Alice Cooper was shaking the system back then, too. <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 He probably made a lot more money shaking that system than Leon Red. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Alice Cooper was definitely a rebellion yeah. thing. Yeah. And then he sobered up and the shit got stale. So. I was not a religious Saturday Night Live watcher. My wife, you know, girlfriend at the time was uh, back in the early, early night, late 80s, early 90s. And I remember Sunday morning, you know, I'm up, I'm, I, I go out to see her and she said, man, there was an uh, interesting show last night on Saturday Night Live. The band was pretty wild. I said, who was it? She, so I'd never heard of these people. But there was this kind of no name band called Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. yeah never heard of them right this is like 91 92 and she said man they were like they were like you know smashing the amps and crazy, and shit. crazy stuff she said they were like really all over the place i never seen anything like it and i never forgot that you know then of course you know nirvana being nirvana right everybody knows nirvana now but I, that she was the first one that ever said Nirvana to me and, and what the context was. Right. So my, okay. my parents used to go to the Elks Club every Friday night, Friday and Saturday night. That were their nights out. They would go to the Elks Club. They would hang out. And, you know, it's probably three or four when, you know, whenever they would come home and we would get left with sometimes babysitters sometimes not and and <laughs> there were some babysitters and i'm like where the fuck did you hire these people and uh, <laughs> there was one uh, it was probably six or seven houses down from us her and her boyfriend would come over they would they would stay the night me and john would sit there and we're you know we're good little methodist boys we're yeah, yeah behaving ourselves whatever and they would all of a sudden start getting stoned drinking beers and we'd watch saturday night live and somebody <laughs> like leon redbone would come on and you, <laughs> you're just sitting there as like a fifth or sixth grader getting your mind blown right <laughs> yeah yeah and then i think one of them we locked her in the bathroom and wouldn't let her out and fuck god knows what happened <laughs> she might still be there 
No, I, I think she got out. Somebody <laughs> pissed on the carpet, you know, crazy so, night. So is the Elks Club still there? I, yeah, yeah, the Elks Club is still there. What? Okay. what or what or the, at least, no, let me let me back off. Uh, the last time I was back in in our hometown, which has been a long, long time ago, uh, uh, it was still there. Sean, Derek, yes, yes. Between the Elks Club, the JCs, and the Shriners, what the fuck is anybody going to do to get a little crazy? On <laughs> you know what? Night? I miss Mogies. Well, you know, <laughs> we kind of undercut the system a little bit. <laughs> I, so here's one because they would be open past midnight on saturday so i think my dad and you know tex harrison and the valley boys i think they they played the elks lodge from time to time so yeah, i own, bet it was good money oh yeah sure. I, I think it's without doubt your parents were going to see my 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 parents <laughs> you get all those crazy fucking white people in there wanting to throw some bucks to get <laughs> fucked up you know oh yeah <laughs> that's goddamn money Yep, or someone uh, telling us the beer was really cheap there, Delks, too. But I don't. It was. It. Yeah. So my my grandfather and mommy was in the Elks Club. You can go in there and get a beer for a buck. Yeah. I'd wow. sit there and drink all day. I think it's a little more than that now, but uh, yeah, it's still mommy the best Elks deal. Club was a buck last okay. year. Wow, last, last year. year. Okay, that's crazy. That's severely somebody's funding that, but yeah, hey, I ain't complaining. Hey, get um, you, get you fucked up. Now, you know we're we're winding down. Okay, but no, no, I thought we were winding up here. Well, this is, yeah, this is good. We're 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 close. We're close. I love these two albums. Now, I, I just I need to bring one thing up though, because what? this is important. Uh, this album this album was released in '92. Yeah, uh, uh, and it, I was reminded of that because Brett talked about uh, Nirvana, and Nirvana's Nevermind album actually went to nine, number one in '92. There you go. Uh, but that's that's not what's important. What's important is we haven't talked about Eric Clapton this entire. Night, which is insane. And I heard a rumor. He he. What what was the rumor? I, that he owned the McDonald's on High Street there in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> he, no, 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 no. He didn't own no McDonald's. He owned the Triple Threat, <laughs> the Kentucky Fried Taco, Taco Hut. Hut. Kentucky Fried Taco Hut. Right. Ah, no, I see. I thought he owned a McDonald's because of the double decker, reminding me of the double decker buses back home. In he probably owned uh, both. He might own both. Oh, okay. Now, the only reason why I bring up Mr. Clapton is because in '92 he actually released. My personal favorite album of his, Unplugged. Unplugged. Yep. Uh, good choice. It's yeah, good a great album. It's a good album. It's a very good album. I have no problem. So I'll tell you this. I don't care about any of the shit that's been said about Eric. I have no problem with the quality of some of the music he's put out. 
I, I don't know probably, anything about the dude. I'm probably going to get banged on social media by social <laughs> by Phoebe Bridgers followers <laughs> because I'm saying that. But the quality of the goddamn music that guy has put out has been pretty good, right? Except for lately, I think the shit. Do, do not go after the children. That's what I'm going to say. <sighs> the children will fuck you up. Don't go after. <laughs> I'll take me some under the sun all day. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. What was the Eric Clapton tune? It wasn't rock and roll, rock and roll hard. Ch- it wasn't it was rock and roll hard. It wasn't rock and roll children. That, that was Dio. Dio. Yeah. yeah. Dio's <laughs> the goddamn god. <laughs> we got two different uh, styles there. I, well, yeah, I tell different. you what. Yeah. Let's shift this some bitch to Dio. Dio's a god. <laughs> Dio, Dio's pretty amazing. You know, Dio had a uh, had a. Uh, a uh, real knack for getting talent in his band. But he, absolutely. Uh, you talk about anybody that can land Vivian Campbell in a band and put out those albums. And, you know, I'll admit the quality that followed was, I'm a Vivian fan. But, uh, Dio could write a goddamn good song. Sure. And he always found a decent guitar player. None that measured up to Vivian Campbell. Vivian was amazing. There's no doubt. But but Goldie was no slouch. No, no, no. I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. None of If them. I recall correctly, Ronnie James Dio was the guest vocalist on Operation Mindcrime 2. Queen's right now. That's well, and how big of a fan are you guys of the rainbow stuff? I, I, I like rainbow. I'm big fan. Not a big fan of the pre-rainbow Ronnie James Dio. But the rainbow on, Dio could do no wrong. <laughs> now he's dead, right? Did he, did he yeah, die? he yeah, passed cancer. cancer. Yeah, yeah okay. He did. Couldn't remember what happened to him. You know, I'm going to bring this up because I mentioned it last time too, you know, where we wouldn't necessarily have Badlands if Ozzy hadn't fired Jakey Lee. If <laughs> Kurt Cobain hadn't died, would we have had the Foo Fighters? I'd be okay with that. That's with a personal Adam? opinion. Really? Okay. Yes. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of the Foo Fighters than I am of anything Nirvana. Did. I don't know. So you know, I like the Foo Fighters. Don't get me wrong, but I don't yeah. know what Nirvana was going to become. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a bag of Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean for me, after that first Nirvana, after that first Nirvana album, I just didn't much care for anything they put out after that. Mm. So, Sean, I think that's a completely valid point. I did not really enjoy Nirvana until the second album. And even then, it was all still lukewarm. But, and then when the Foo Fighters thing came up, I was probably too jaded. Right. It's probably a personal problem more than a worldwide 
So, so about that, um, got to give. So, so what's the lead guy in the food fires? David Grohl. Yeah, yeah. He fell off the stage, broke his leg, and by God, the show must go on. And kept right. playing. This is just a few years ago. How many had people a, had a met, emergency medical tech out there holding his like ankle? in yes. place why he sat Same there and performed the rest of the concert so, so let me, cool. and let me course correct <laughs> i am a huge dave Grohl fan huge the stuff i see him do outside of foo fighters massive fan the foo fighter stuff to me is too contrived i i, I don't disagree with you but I think he's got a uh, he has got a great sense of humor. I think, yeah, he does. And he had to have something to get that out. And the Foo Fighters is a great vehicle for that sense of humor to come out. Yeah. I think that's the best way I've heard it put. He's one of those guys that needs multiple outlets, and. The Foo Fighters, for what it does, is a great outlet. Some of the other outlets I enjoy more. Like the one with John Paul Jones. Oh, yeah. 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 Them, was it Them Crooked Vultures? Is that Them what Crooked that was? Vultures? Yeah. yeah. I Dave Grohl is an incredible songwriter, incredible musician. I want to see him sticking his neck out a little bit more. That's just me. I'm I'm from Southern Ohio, and my opinion doesn't matter for shit. <laughs> it counts as much as the rest of ours, my friend. Well, so it's a uh... or or another way to say it is ours counts just as much as his does. Yeah, there, there you go. go. So, there we go. Right. But you know, I'm thinking about a hey, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Who, yeah. Just yeah, passed recently. Seemed yeah. like a really cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I yeah, don't. Uh, drummer wise, I'm still a Neil Peart fan. Well, it's you know personality wise, I think Taylor had that shit going. Yeah. Right. Good guy. No, seems seems like a seems like a great guy. I'm always uh, I'm always reminded of the joke that uh, that the Beatles told about Ringo. Yeah. You know, uh, somebody said, uh, hey, hey, Paul, do you think or maybe they were talking to John? I don't remember. But uh, they said, hey, is Ringo the greatest drummer in the world? And they said in the world, hell, Ringo's not even the greatest drummer in the band. <laughs> but I tell you what, he's the greatest drummer that could have kept up with those Paul bass lines. Yeah. remember the family guy skit where the beatles are like dirty oh, and ringo's like i wrote a song and they're like oh this is very nice we're gonna hang it right here on the fridge for everyone to see <laughs> but I, so it's not fair because i actually like some ringo songs so it's not, do, but no it's seriously just, do you guys ever watch that get back not yet no. no i have not it's on the list but i have not watched it I'll it's it will be the best six or seven hours you've ever spent and you've got to span it over a weekend 
but I tell you, watching those guys in the studio creating those songs, and especially watching Ringo be able to step into any fucking situation put before him and bang out a completely competent beat. Completely. Record it, ship it, sell it. That son of a bitch never missed a beat. And everybody gives Ringo a hard time, but that son of a bitch could sure nah, mess he, stuff he, out. He's a very good drummer. Yeah. Watch yeah. that. And yeah. it's a tedious documentary. It's <laughs> very tedious. You just said it was the best six or seven. Yeah, hours you, of our life. <laughs> but it was. But it was tedious but totally infatuating because you're watching these songs on abbey road and let it be just come together from nothing literally nothing these songs over the period of that documentary come together and get recorded and are incredible and I'm a big Abbey Road fan. Big. All right, so guys. I, I, I hate to break this up, but we, we got to go. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we can stop recording, but we don't have to go. <laughs> well, we, we got to stop recording and I got to go. How about that? All right. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Bob from the Late Night Playlist. I'd like to thank you for sticking with us through this discussion of Leon Redbones live at the Olympia Theater in Paris, France. Make sure you tune back in next time for our discussion of Joe Pass's Blues Dues live at Long Beach City College. Until then, put your pants back on and I hope all your late nights are good ones.